changes. What's the Word? Brought to you by Columbia Baptist Church in Columbia, Kentucky on 101.9 WAIN. I am Randy Johnson, the senior pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock right here on 101.9 WAIN. Well, good evening, and welcome to What's the Word this Wednesday evening, July the 17th. I cannot hardly believe that we are already into the month of July. And so far into it, I should say, and so close to August. And here we are at the tail end of the summer, it feels like, and almost ready for fall. But not too soon. We still have a good month, I think, left of the summer. And hopefully you are enjoying and will enjoy that month. And hopefully your summer has been going well. My summer, as I reflected last Wednesday, my family took a trip to Washington, D.C., and we had a great time. And now kind of back in the summer groove of kids staying up late and, you know, not them not getting a lot of sleep at night. They sleep till noon. Uh, my life goes on. It's funny. My kids thought when they were a lot younger – they thought that when they were out of school that I didn't have to go to work. And they just assumed that everything stopped in June and July and that the summer started and everybody would be home and it would be late nights, lazy days, but they you know, will soon and, and have already realized that life goes on. The summer is just as busy as any other time of the year, it seems like. People are traveling around, have lots of plans, family reunions, weekends at the lake, all kinds of things. But I am thankful that you are joining me this evening for What's the Word? I always look forward to spending Wednesday evening with you and just being able to share thoughts and ideas with you of things that are going on in the world and maybe even things that are going on in your world things that perhaps you have paid attention to or things that have grabbed your attention as of late and maybe some things that I'll share with you that you had no idea about. Uh, and hopefully that's always the case, that I can bring some new insight to you of some story or some article that I read or just something that's happening around the world. However, I always look forward to hearing from people that listen to this radio show. And if you have some ideas of things that you would like for me to talk about, things that you would like to hear my perspective on, my email address is randy at columbiabaptist.com. And I would love to hear from you. Uh, you can contact the radio station if you try to email me and for whatever reason it doesn't go through, contact the radio station. They know how to get a hold of me. And I, like I said, I would love to hear from you. But on this show this evening, I have several thoughts and articles and ideas and a devotional for you that are all centered around our identity, who we really are. Uh, there have been some articles that I have reflected on in the last several weeks and even months in the past of things that relate to life, things that relate to the sanctity of life, things that relate to the value and the preciousness of life. And I think once you get past that question of is life valuable, is all life valuable, I think once you agree that the Bible teaches it, that human nature agrees with it, that people really understand from the core of from their their birth on that everybody has a unique opportunity to live their life to make some kind of a imprint of their life that their life means something once you understand that then what is it that makes you who you are what is your real identity what is your personality what is what defines you and so I want to share a few thoughts with you uh, this evening that, that relate to that very topic and some things that have really jumped out at me 
here lately that I think are are worth talking about, things that are worth mentioning to you. And, you know, a lot of times if I go on Twitter or uh, Facebook or uh, some of the different news websites that I read, you know, I go to AOL, Yahoo, uh, sometimes Associated Press, uh, Time, CNN, MSNBC. Well, not so much that one, but, you know, some of the others, I, I, I just scroll through and see, you know, what are what are these websites talking about? What kinds of human interest stories or uh, what kinds of stories that that really teach us about the importance of what you are designed to do on this planet. I saw a story just the other day and investigated it a little bit more today just to be able to have a a little deeper background. But, you know, I I grew up playing sports. My dad was uh, and and loves to play basketball even even now in his 70s still – uh, you know, loves to do what he can to mix it up on the court. But, you know, my dad played sports as a kid and, and watched a lot of sports. And so when I came along, you know, I just was right in there with him. You know, I, I watched everything on television. I tried to play uh, baseball, football, and, you know, those sports were okay for me. But I really just gravitated to basketball. I loved to watch it. I loved to play it. Played it in high school. Uh, you know, just played on a few pickup teams and, you know, church league teams over the years. And, you know, just enjoyed the game. And so a lot of professional athletes and, and sometimes college athletes, they don't really get as much exposure as the professional athletes. But a lot of times the professional athletes – are interesting to find out about because you have seen them maybe in college, you see them on a professional level, some of them are thrust into entertainment in music or in movies and television and you know they're interviewed all the time. I mean they're making millions of dollars. Why not ask them random questions like what did you have for lunch yesterday? But a lot of times these athletes, when they are interviewed and they are, uh, you know, investigated and, and, you know, find out what makes you tick, what really sets you apart from the other guy on another team that plays the same thing, you know, plays the same position that you play. Um, These kinds of stories really kind of dig into the under the shell and sometimes these athletes really live remarkable lives sometimes they uh, don't really seem to be very interesting but one guy since he's been in the league that was in a story that I read the other day his name is Dwight Howard and Dwight Howard is a very tall very athletic uh, he plays the center position you're in Kentucky you don't need me to tell you what that kind of position that is in basketball, but he plays, he plays center and he's played for quite a few teams. Uh, best I remember Dwight Howard came out of high school into the NBA and didn't play in college, but he's always been just a seven foot, six eleven, seven foot freak of nature, uh, very muscular, very athletic, um, hasn't won a lot. You know, he's been on some decent teams, but he hasn't won a lot. Uh, but he's always been one of these guys that has the microphone in his face. He always gets asked questions. Uh, a lot of times it's because of his contract, makes a lot of money, whatever the case might be. People want to know about him and they ask him questions. Well, the story that I'm talking about, about Dwight Howard, uh, because he's been shipped around to a lot of different teams, you know, he. Uh, sometimes has been on the radar, sometimes under the radar, has been injured some. And apparently he had a teammate and or and, and some, I guess, what he considered to be a friend uh, not that long ago uh, while he was injured last year and before he got traded who said that he believed that Dwight Howard was gay. And Dwight Howard, as far as I know, is not married, doesn't have children, uh, as, as far as I know, um, but Dwight Howard is, you know, is, is a nice looking man. Um, 
you know, dresses uh, according to all the pictures and social media and things like that seems to dress kind of, uh, I wouldn't say flashy, but, but trendy, you know, some very trendy and a lot of NBA players do cause they, they have money to buy all that silly stuff, but he, you know, dresses very trendy or whatever. And so for whatever reason, this particular friend quote athlete of his decided to just make this allegation that he believed that Dwight Howard was homosexual. Dwight Howard said in in an interview that I saw and and even read the transcript of said that it really crushed him, that it took him months to be able to leave his house again, just to be able to face what people thought and how people felt about him and what the perception would be about him. And one of the things that he said in the interview was after he took some time to really process the allegation, he said to the interviewer uh, that interviewed him just the other day, he said, I'm not gay. He said, but a lot of people are, and they live their life, and they have to deal with with those things. And, and, And he was affirming people that live in different types of lifestyles and says, you know, basically you be who you are and don't be ashamed or afraid of what people think. And he was, uh, as, as I said, he was affirming this kind of, not this particular lifestyle of homosexuality, but really any, anything that might slightly be off center, you know, if someone uh, dresses a certain way or is, you know, has tattoos or, you know, lives a certain lifestyle, you know, you fill in the blank. And he kind of gave several examples um, in, in the interview. But in this particular interview, you could almost see a guy who had come full circle with this idea and this allegation and and really his own sense of identity. And what he said was he really had to be okay with himself, that he took several months just sitting alone inside of his house before he was ready to go out and face the public or maybe be interviewed or somebody see him and ask him face to face, you know, if he's gay or whatever. And he said he really just had to come full circle with understanding who he is, that he's okay with, with who he is and how he lives and what he does. And again, he affirmed that he wasn't homosexual. But as I read that story one of, and, and saw the interview and I saw his face, like I said, the, the look on his face was almost resigned to the idea that even if he is or he's not or he's this or he's that, what really seemed to bother him and give him the most issue with this allegation was, I don't know that Dwight Howard really was comfortable in his own skin beforehand. Um, I don't know that he really knew who he was. And one of the things, again, another thing I should say that came out of the interview was the fact that he was affirming people who also need to come full circle through the same kind of process of, you know, regardless of what you are, regardless of who you are, regardless of how you live, you know, he was saying, you need to just be you just, just don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. And the interviewer also, the lady interviewing him was also affirming this and saying, oh yes, you know, people need to, you know, not be afraid of what other people think, or you don't need to care, you know, just do, just, just, live your own life and be your own person. And while a lot of that on the surface, I wouldn't disagree with. However, as I reflected last week on the U S women's soccer team and this particular soccer team, uh, captain who, you know, said that she was, she's gay and, you know, lives a life that she didn't feel like was, accepted and felt oppressed in our country because of her choices. What I would say to a lot of people that struggle with different things, you may or may not feel chastised by society for being an actor and actress. You may not necessarily feel chastised or oppressed or made fun of by society for being a school teacher. You, you may not feel 
necessarily looked down upon if you are an insurance salesman. There are certain types of descriptives, certain types of adjectives that we put on people that are not necessarily good or bad, they're just different. And sometimes people do look at school teachers or musicians or insurance salesmen or uh, you know those that work at, at Walmart or IGA or perhaps you know work at Sonic or you know you fill in the blank whatever it might be there may be some people that would say well I look down on this person because and then they fill in the blank and to some degree if you work at Sonic or you work at IGA or you sell insurance or you're a school teacher or you're an actor or a musician or whatever it might be to some degree you do need to live your life without the fear of or really without the the acceptance of other people's rejection of you like you don't you don't have to worry that somebody looks down on you for being a school teacher you don't have to excuse the fact that you work at at a grocery store and somebody thinks that that's not a good job if that's who you are and that's what you do then you need to live your life and 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 so i would agree with dwight howard and the interviewer to say that there should be some sense of a healthy sense of, of self-pride that says, you know, I like what I do. I like who I am. I like the gifts and the abilities that I do. Somebody might say, well, I'm a school teacher because I really care about students. Somebody else might say, well, you're a school teacher because you want to be off during the summer. And that's not a good job and, and you know, you don't make a lot of money or whatever the case might be. There may be a thousand different opinions about something that somebody does. However, in this article and in this interview, it had nothing to do with Dwight Howard being a basketball player. It had everything to do with a moral decision that somebody felt that Dwight Howard had made, and they were just identifying this, what they believed to be a moral decision by him. This is where the issues really stem from. The issue of, am I a basketball player or a football player? Am I a teacher or do I work at Walmart? Am I a painter or am I a plumber? Am I the, you know, some of those things are, really it doesn't matter at the end of the day if God has given you the ability to be a plumber or a painter. If that is your ability and that's what you enjoy doing, then do that and be that and be happy about it. You know, I don't like to paint. I would I would rather, uh, you know, cut off my foot than spend a day painting. Some people can put on music. They can tape off windows. They can get a roller in their hand and just go to town and have the time of their life painting. I would rather go to the dentist and have a tooth pulled than to do that. So if you're a painter, enjoy it. If you're a dentist, enjoy it. If you're a teacher, have fun. Nobody was accusing Dwight Howard of being or not being a basketball player or saying something ugly about him for being a basketball player. What rocked his world was an accusation about a moral decision what the captain of the women's soccer team, what her issue is primarily, now there's there's some issue going on there behind the scenes of should women be paid the same as men. But aside from that issue, which I don't think is, is her primary issue, hers is more of oppression of her gay lifestyle. So once you get into these moral issues, this is when and where the Bible speaks the loudest. In fact, the, the, the Bible gives us the affirmation that however we work and whatever we do, we're to do it unto the Lord. So if I'm a professional basketball player, or if I'm a teacher, if I'm a painter, if I work at Walmart, if I sell insurance, whatever it is that I do should be the gift that I give back to God. 
Okay, so we're not talking about necessarily a moral choice that I'm making. We're talking about a service that I'm offering back to God. That's what the Bible speaks to. However, when it comes to an issue, uh, and by the way, let me just say about those working conditions, we ought to do the best we can to support people and to affirm people who are painters and work at Walmart or sell insurance and not have these classes of people to say, well, this person that works here is better than this person. No, they're not better. They're just different. Everybody has different skills. Everybody has different goals in life. However, When it comes to a moral decision, such as what Dwight Howard was faced with in this accusation and what Megan Rapinoe, who is the the women's soccer team captain, when it comes to feeling oppressed or feeling judged or looked down upon for a moral decision, this is where the Bible speaks the loudest. And this is where, as Dwight Howard was trying to say, hey, if you're, if he was saying, uh, almost, I'm almost quoting him, hey, if you're gay, then you just live that way. Or if you're this way, you just be that way. And that's what Dwight was, that's what the message that Dwight Howard was trying to say. However, what the Bible is trying to say is that if there is a moral decay that's going on in your body and you are not living the life that you were designed to live morally, then you can't be comfortable with that. And our society should not be affirming a immoral decision that will rip apart the fabric of our society. What rocked Dwight Howard's world was the fact that somebody accused him of making a moral decision that apparently he says that he never made, which the moral decision was becoming a homosexual, or I should say the immoral decision, the decision about morality is becoming a homosexual. So the immoral behavior of homosexuality, that accusation rocked his world, and that's what it took him months to wrap his brain around. Now, it could have been somebody said he was a terrible basketball player, or he's a great basketball player, and those accusations rocked his world, and probably in the past they have. But for months, he said, he stayed in his room contemplating whether or not he could even face the public because somebody had accused him of being gay. Friend, there are so many moral issues that our society today, particularly in America, because I can't speak for the societies of the continent of Africa, the continent of Europe, the continent for Asia. I don't live there. I've not been raised there. I, I, some of those places I have visited and I can speak semi-intelligently to, but I don't know the deep fabric of those societies. America, I've got down pat. I've lived here my entire life. I pay attention to culture and all of these things so I can speak intelligently and say this. Our society is trying to create an acceptance of immorality. We try to legalize abortion. We try to put laws on the books that make it okay for immoral decisions to be protected, to be um, legalized, to be you know, put into basically to have immoral decisions normalized in our society. It seems as though governments, it seems as though communities, it seems as though this is the direction that our country is going. We are trying to normalize immorality. And what I walked away with from this particular story with Dwight Howard was simply that he had to come to a place where he was okay with the accusation that even if he was homosexual, that he would be okay with it. And he's basically saying, if you are this or you are that, then you need to be okay with it, and I'm okay with this with whatever you are. This goes back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, before it gets into the specific issue 
of homosexuality really speak well and as it gets into it one of the the strongest warnings i think in all of the bible is in romans chapter 1 and 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 it uses homosexuality as kind of a backdrop but really can be applied to any immoral decision anywhere on the planet and it basically says and i'm i'm paraphrasing but it basically says that not only is it wrong to partake in a certain immoral decision, but to excuse and to affirm that is just as equally wrong. So it's sort of like if you're in the getaway car of a bank robber, you're just as guilty as the bank robber. You may be driving the car, you may be riding in the car, but you're just as guilty as the person that robbed the bank because you are, as they say, guilty by association. Romans chapter 1 gives us that affirmation that you are, in a sense, and I would say to Dwight Howard, in a sense, you're guilty by association. You might say, listen, I'm not gay, but I'm okay with people that are. And the people that are need to be okay with the fact that that's who they are. Well, I'm here to tell you that the Bible speaks the loudest when it comes to issues of immorality, and the further that our country goes in not only normalizing immorality, but affirming immorality, the further away from the Bible and certainly the further away from God that we get. And that's not okay. What the message should have been is that It should have been a message from Dwight Howard to say, listen, I'm not homosexual. And the reason that I'm not is because homosexuality is wrong. Or if it had been somebody had accused him of being a drug addict, Dwight Howard could have looked at the camera and said, I'm not a drug addict. The person who accused me of being a drug addict is wrong. And anyone who is hooked on drugs, if anyone is a drug addict, then they need to get help because that's only going to destroy your body. That should have been the message that was sent out to the world as a result of this accusation. But instead, he simply said, hey, it took me months to be able to wrap my brain around the fact that, you know, even if I was what I was accused of being, I'm okay with that. This is the direction that the world is going. This is the direction that our country and our society is going. And I'm telling you, it's not okay. Why is it not okay for somebody to make a moral decision that is something against what the Bible says? What we have to understand about the Bible and particularly about, say, let's just take the Ten Commandments, for example, because those get a lot of bad rap. People think, oh, the Ten Commandments is just a bunch of do's and don'ts and God just being mean and saying, you know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that because God makes all the rules and we have to follow them. And our society now is saying, forget those rules. We're going to do what we want to do. I'm going to be who I want to be and, and, and I'm going to accept and affirm anybody that wants to be this way. The thing about the Ten Commandments that people don't understand and the, the, the primary reason why God gives us his word and desires for us to be holy is not just so that, it, it's not so that God can just sit up in heaven and, and feel as though he controls our life, but even more so it's because God wants to protect us. God understands the danger of sin. In fact, the, uh, Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. Well, if the enemy comes to do that and the primary source of that stealing and killing and destroying comes through sin, then when the Bible says don't do something, it's not because God's trying to be mean and keeping you from fun. It's that God is trying to protect you from your life being destroyed. And see, what we're experiencing in America now and really worldwide is this turn to normalizing sin and saying, hey, don't worry about it. Somebody wants to do that, let them do it. What harm is it? You know, if if two guys want to be married, let them do it. If, uh, you know, somebody wants to to do something immoral or, or, you know, identify with a different gender, let them do it. Who's, who's being hurt here by this? 
At the end of the day, ultimately, we're only hurting ourselves by rebelling against how God has created us, how we are best protected and are best who we are when we are who God says that we are. Not who we tell God we want to be, but who God says that we are. The latest trend, by the way, to kind of shift gears a little bit, Facebook is flooded with pictures of people that have instantly appeared as though they are 108 years old. Nah, maybe not quite that old, but close. There are people that are, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too, there are people who are putty, putting pictures of themselves that <laughs> they, look, they look probably 40 to 50 years older. It's called the Face app. And the Face app, at, at least it's free on an iPhone. I don't know about an Android. You know, both of you all out there that use Android phones. Um, as opposed to the rest of the known world that uses iPhones. But those of you that use Android or iPhone, I'm, I'm assuming that the Face app is free. But what you do is you can either take a selfie, you can either take a picture of your face, and then you can adjust it. You can change your hair color. You can change uh, makeup. You know, ladies, you can put more, take up, take makeup off you can make your hair like I said different colors whatever but the most fun that people are having is making their face look old now I have to say I haven't seen any old people use the application on the app of making themselves look younger so maybe some of us need to stop making ourselves look 108 and see what we look like if when we were 18 but Facebook is flooded with these pictures of people that look as though they are knocking on death's door. People that are like my age, you know, they're middle-aged people. And so we have signs of aging for sure. But then we want to see, well, what will I look like in 40 years? What will I look like in 50 years? What will I look like as an old man or an old woman? And some are just scary. Uh, Aaron Labarge is our family pastor here at Columbia Baptist Church. And I took a picture of him. No, I, I took a picture of myself and aged it and sent it to him. And he sent me back a picture of himself. And he looked like Uncle Jesse Duke from the Dukes of Hazard. So if you want to know what Aaron will look like as an old man, just go watch old episodes of the Dukes of Hazard or pull that guy up on on uh, YouTube or just a picture on the internet. And, and that's what Aaron's going to look like when he's 88 years old. He's only 30 right now, but in that picture, my goodness, he looked older than I did. And I'm, I'm 45. So he looked, he looked a lot older than I did, which just goes to say, I'm apparently going to age a lot better than he will. But this app is hilarious. People are, like I said, they're posting this. But what, what struck me about the, the face app and people making themselves look old is it, it sort of goes against what everybody does in taking pictures of themselves. There, I've, I've said this forever, but there are some people that if there was a storm, if there was a fire, if there was some kind of a rescue operation and and the authorities were saying, you know, send me a picture, let's put it on posters, let's send it everywhere, get me a picture of this person because we've got to find them. The picture, because of all the filters that people put on their face, nobody would be able to find you because you won't really look like that. My goodness, there, there are so many apps and filters and people will you know, smooth out lines and wrinkles and change their eye color and smooth out their face and change their hair. You know, you see some of these people in Walmart and, and you're like, I don't even know who you are. You don't even look like yourself. Well, the problem is they look exactly like themselves, but the pictures that they're putting on the internet look nothing like themselves, thanks to all of these filters. Well, now with this face app, everybody's able to speed up their age or, or, turn it back and see what they look like as an old person or as a really young person. And, and frankly, it's just hilarious. 
Because now we're trying to speed up the process to see, well, what will I look like when I'm in my 80s or in my 90s? Well, apparently before yesterday, nobody cared about that. Because before yesterday, people that were in their 50s were trying to post pictures looking like they're in their 30s. And people that are in their 30s are trying to post pictures like they're still in high school. And now the latest craze is, well, let's see what I look like as a crotchety old man. Let's see what I look like when I don't have any teeth and I'm spitting up on myself and I'm, you know, whatever. <laughs> Again, the, the, the reason I'm bringing this to you is because the thought that I have is, why can't we just be who God has called us to be? Why can't we just be who we are, meaning, you know, my, my birthday, by the way, is, is Friday. I'll be 45 years old. I can take a picture of myself and I can speed it up to look old. I can slow it down and turn it back to look younger. But at the end of the day, I'm thankful that God has given me 45 years. I've tried to make the best of the 45 years. I've done some great things for the Lord. God's done great things through me and in me and, and for me. Uh, I've made some mistakes in my life that I wish I could go back and rewind. There are things that about my life physically or my life financially or my life emotionally that I wish I could change. But you know, at the end of the day, um, all I do every single day is try to be who God wants me to be. And that's just the funny thing about some of these apps is that we want to adjust ourselves to see something a little different rather than just looking painfully in the mirror and saying, you know, this is who God has made me to be. These are the gifts, the skills, the abilities that God has given me. God has put me in this family. He has given me this gender. He has given me this family that I have. He has given me a certain personality, which obviously can be adjusted thanks to the Holy Spirit, but, you know, for the most part, I'm, I'm kind of wired a certain way, I think a certain way, you know, whatever. And all I'm going to do every single day is just give my best to God and just pray that God is pleased and honored and glorified in who I am and what I do, and I want to be true to his word, I want to be faithful to him, and I want to be who God has called me to be. I, I just fear that when a lot of people look in the mirror, they take selfies or they use apps and they use these filters, that the last thing in the world that they want to be is who God has created them to be. They're constantly trying to change themselves to make themselves happy rather than letting God change them to make themselves holy. And really, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. How much of Jesus Christ do we reflect to the world? Is Jesus reflected in these apps that change the look of my face? No, because if I'm going to sit across a table with, with someone that I'm having lunch with and I'm going to share the gospel with them, at the end of the day, how many wrinkles I have on my face or how much hair is on my head makes no difference whatsoever. The only thing that matters is how much of Jesus is this person going to see in my life? How much of the good news of Christ can I share with this person? Does it matter if people on Facebook like your pictures and tell you that, you know, you look so youthful and then see you in Walmart and go, ugh, that's not what you look like on Facebook. That's not what you look like, you know, in that picture you sent me or whatever. All that really matters is when people encounter you, do they see God? You know, I used a phrase and my message this past Sunday, and I, I simply said, you know, for a lot of us, the most basic truth is we need to make it easy for other people to believe in God. We need to make it so simple that the only thing that people really get from an interaction with us is God is real because God is in that person. God is working in that person, and because of that, I want God to be at work in me. Well, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I started a sermon series in the book of Joel, and Joel is one of those little bitty books. It's kind of like a, a mighty mouse. You know, it's just it's a small book, three chapters, but he drops the hammer on God's people so strong that in in by the time you get halfway through the second chapter, the people have already repented of their sin, 
and rightfully so. Uh, there's not a lot of specifics in terms of what God's people did to face the judgment that they had in the book of Joel, but there's enough information, even in some of this prophetic language in the book of Joel, there's enough there to know God's people had just turned away from him. They had trusted in other things, and they had allowed other influences to come in, and they just did not worship the Lord the way that they should have. And so God says, okay, I'm going to send you one wave of judgment to wake you up, and I'm going to tell you that if you don't change, if you don't turn, you don't repent, there's coming another wave, and the the next wave that comes is going to be so strong that there's not going to be anything left. Well, halfway through the book of Joel, the people repent. They turn from their sin. They turn back to God, and God has pity on his people, and he doesn't send the judgment. And he says, listen, as a result, instead of sending judgment because you've turned from your sin, I'm going to send you all these blessings. I'm going to send you all of these these wonderful blessings that you've needed all along. And that's one of the great I think one of the great encouragements from the Bible is that that's what God wants to do. God wants you to turn from sin so that he can make your life a blessing, not only to him, but to yourself and to other people. This is a concept that I would say far too many people in the world just do not understand. They want God to do what they want God to do, or they just want God to leave them alone. When we do and live the way that God has intended us to live and we turn from our sin and we trust in God and we let him lead us and we let him guide us, God promises to pour out blessings on us that are immeasurable. Well, one of the blessings that I'm going to be preaching on this coming Sunday at Columbia Baptist Church, by the way, our service starts at 9 a.m., at 201 Greensburg Street, we're right across the street from the jail, right off the square, and we would love to have you join us. 9 a.m., our worship service starts. We sing, we pray, we hear from God's Word, and we respond, and then we have a great time of Bible study following that at around 1015, 1020. And we would love to have you be a part of what God is doing at Columbia Baptist Church. But one of the blessings that I'm going to be preaching about is not only the physical blessings, not only the blessing of of really, as God says in Joel chapter 2, I'll be in your midst, I'll be with you. But then he goes a step further and says, but let me teach you how in the future, how I'm going to be with you. And in Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 28, the Bible says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. This prophecy that Joel gives was not for that day. It was for the time after Jesus had been crucified, was buried, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and promised the disciples that he would send his spirit to be with them. This prophecy in the book of Joel, hundreds of years before that event took place, is the very prophecy of the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost that you see in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches a wonderful message. Thousands of people come to know Christ. People from all over the world are hearing the good news of Christ in their own language. And Jesus has sent his spirit. And now his spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, is working in the lives of people. And it is the fulfillment on that day and continues to be the fulfillment even to this day of the Holy Spirit being in the world, working through those that have trusted and and professed faith in Christ and have been born again, and now they're born of the Spirit. And, And the Bible says in the book of Joel, it will come to pass afterward. Not now, he says, but later. Well, that later, by the way, was almost 2,000 years ago. 
And 2,000 years ago, after Jesus ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, since that day, this prophecy has been taking place. The prophecy again says, pour out his spirit. The sons and daughters will prophesy, which just simply means they're going to preach. They're going to teach. They're going to talk about God. They're going to tell people the good news of Christ. He says, your old men will dream dreams, meaning that people that have known the Lord perhaps for many, many years and are close to death are going to dream about what God will do in the years to come. What God is going to do in the generations after this person who is old and they're dreaming and they are envisioning what God is going to do, the Holy Spirit is going to confirm all of those hopes and dreams and all of those wonderful thoughts of what God is going to do in the future. It says your young men shall see visions. So you've got in the prophecy of Joel, you have the old the old people, in a sense, looking forward to what they won't get to see. And then you have young men who are seeing visions of things that they one day will see that will come to pass. The old men will not live long enough to see those dreams come true. And the young men, by the grace of God, will live long enough to be able to see what God is going to do. And he says, even on the servants... Your male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit. Very simply, the prophecy of Joel just says, God's going to pour his spirit out on anyone and everyone who turns to him. Those that come to know Jesus Christ personally are going to have the spirit of the living God poured out on their life and they will see visions, they will dream dreams, they will prophesy, they will have the presence of God with them. Now, going back to this thing about Dwight Howard, going back to this thing about the Face app, thinking about who we are, who God has made us to be, this prophecy right here is a cornerstone of faith for the church then and the church now. You see, on the day of Pentecost, the, the church could base Everything they did on this prophecy of Joel saying, you know, without the Holy Spirit of God, we wouldn't have any power to do anything. And they looked forward to bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth, all because the Holy Spirit had filled them and was giving them these dreams and visions of what God was going to do in the future, and they couldn't wait to be a part of it. Well, now today... In 2019, we're doing the same thing. We're looking forward to what God wants to do in the future, how God is going to bless, how God is going to move, how God is going to make a tremendous difference for Christ, and how God is going to move the church and to advance his kingdom and share, spread the gospel all over the world. This is a, this is a cornerstone of ministry for me. I would be nothing. My church would do nothing if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit of God. And so I will go back to Mr. Dwight, and I will go back to the Face app, and I will say simply this, without the presence of God, we are nothing. You see, you can, you can have somebody like Dwight Howard who's made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in his career say, well, you know, I'm okay with people that live this way. I'm okay if I live this way. I'm okay if you live that way. That's not the confirmation that people need. I don't need Dwight Howard to confirm my lifestyle one way or the other. What I need is God to live inside of me and tell me that I am living my life the way that I'm supposed to, that I am living my life on purpose with him, for him, that he is with me, that my life is holy, that my life is orderly, that my life is obedient unto the call of God on my life, that God's Spirit is going to guide me and bless me and use me and make a difference in my life. All of these things point to one thing, is God with me? And that was the big promise that God made to his people in the book of Joel. I will be with you. I will be in your midst 
which very simply means I'm going to live inside you. And so somebody like Dwight Howard, somebody like Megan Rapinoe, people that change their image on a face app, people that use all these filters to make themselves look, according to them, so much better. None of that matters. None of that has anything to do with anything. All that matters in life is one question, is God with you? And if God is not with you, and you don't have the spirit of the living God within you, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher or a basketball player or work at Walmart or sell insurance. Because really, you're living your life without the ultimate purpose of having God at the center of your life. And that's really what life is all about. That's really what Joel is all about in this, in this short little book. And really, that's what I would say to Dwight Howard. That's what I would say to Megan Rapinoe. That's what I would say to any person struggling with anything and they want validation for who they are. My question would go back to them and say, who does God want you to be? You'll never be happy unless you are exactly who and what and where God wants you to be. And if God is not with you, then you need to turn your face away from your own sin you need to turn away from who other people are telling you to be. You need to turn away from who you are telling you to be. And you need to ask God, who do you want me to be? And that answer starts with having a personal relationship with God through Christ. You know, one, one person in entertainment that has always made me scratch my head a little bit is Shirley MacLaine. I've never really tried to understand her, but apparently she is 85 years old this year. And she was interviewed for her 85th birthday. Now, some of you that maybe have grown up watching Shirley MacLaine on television and certainly in movies and you know that kind of thing, you, you know exactly who she is. For some of you that are a little bit younger, you may remember her. She was in... Um, Oh, that famous movie with Julia Roberts and uh, the bunch of a bunch of ladies were in the movie um, Steel Magnolias. There it is. Took me a minute, but you know there. Some of you are very familiar with her. Shirley MacLaine is weird. I, I don't mind to tell you. I, there's just no better way to say it. But Shirley MacLaine is just weird, and I, again, I've just never understood what makes her tick. And frankly, I don't know that she knows what makes her tick. But Shirley MacLaine, uh, like I said, was recently interviewed. And in the interview, she talked about being alone and how okay she is with, you know, just basically being her own person. She had a 20, I think, 24-year marriage that was considered an open marriage meaning that they were free to do whatever they wanted to with whomever else they wanted to do whatever else with. Uh, obviously, an open marriage is um, <laughs> uh, not terribly committed. But, you know, she was in movies like Terms of Endearment and, and like I said, Steel Magnolias. And, you know, there's just lots of movies that she's been in and, and you know, always kind of played a little bit of a kooky character. But Shirley MacLaine was asked about how she lives her life and, and living life on her own terms, so to speak. And she says that she doesn't regret much. She says she enjoys doing things alone. She thinks that it's risky to live life alone. That's sort of easy to live life with someone else, but it's, it's much riskier to live your life alone. She said, from the beginning, I knew that I was going to be my own girl. And she certainly has lived that way. She said, I've evaluated everything as much of a teaching thing than whether it was a failure. Which is not a bad philosophy, I guess, to live by, to treat experiences as a learning experience. But a lot of times, I think with Shirley MacLaine, though, she uses those teaching experiences to, to become more inward-focused rather than people-focused. She said, quote, I did so much traveling alone, I was following my curiosity. 
and following my sense of wanting to learn. She went to Africa alone. She did different treks alone. She went to Spain alone. And she just simply said, it works. She likes being alone. She enjoys friendships, relationships. But as she looks back over her life, she's okay with how she's turned out. And in fact, one quote she says when you get, and by the way, she believes in reincarnation, so I'm not sure who she believes she once was or who she believes she will be in the future or what she will be in the future. I have no idea. But she said, quote, when you get to the point as I am now, that you are the maker of your own creativity and your own life, it becomes very pleasant, comfortable, and peaceful. She said, quote, I have a very full life and at the same time a life where nothing much happens. It's the best I've ever been. I read that story and I hear those quotes and I think to myself, what a sad existence. To be alone, to be your own person, to believe in reincarnation, to think that there's really no purpose in life to just kind of drift around by yourself experiencing things and really just not doing much at all. Friend, if I could encourage you to do one thing, it is to live your life for the glory of God. You will never be happier than when you live your life to be a blessing to the one true and living God who gave you life and gave his son to give you eternal life. You can have all kinds of experiences with all kinds of people. You can travel the globe, as Shirley MacLaine has done, all by yourself. And you can experience life and have nobody there next to you to experience it with, or you could do it with a hundred people. You know, you could go on safaris and go to Spain and go to China with, with an entourage of a hundred people. But if you're not living for the glory of God, if you're not living in such a way that God has designed you to live, whether it's, I believe in reincarnation, like Shirley MacLaine says, or whether as Dwight Howard says, hey, it's okay for you to be you, even if you're gay, he says, even though I'm not, or whether it's the U.S. women's soccer captain who feels oppressed because she's gay and she thinks there's not enough rights and laws or whatever the case might be, listen, no matter what you think you were put on earth to do or how normal you think it is to step outside of the will and the word of God, what I'm telling you based on my walk with God and based on what the Bible says and how God's people in centuries past have experienced God, you will never be happier than when your life is lined up with the will and the word of God when God is inside of you, leading and guiding you through the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. And when you are absolutely committed to the will and the word of God and you know Jesus personally, you'll never be happier. You know, right here on 101.9 WAIN, 1270 AM, this Radio show is going to be on my podcast tomorrow, which is called Walk This Way. You can find it on iTunes and Google and Spotify and all those places. I hope that somebody out there is in some ways feeling as though you are swimming in a pool of your own confusion. And that maybe through this show, maybe through these words, maybe just hearing a few of these stories, you think, you know... God is reaching down, throwing me a lifeline and saying, this is not how it's supposed to be. And friend, I'm going to tell you, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live swimming in a pool of your own confusion that you and other people have created. You can grab onto the hand of the Lord Jesus who has extended his hand to you now for 2,000 years. It's still extended to you. There's still time while there's still life and breath in your bones. Give your life to the Lord. Trust in Jesus Christ and be born again. Such a great message, and I'm glad to be able to share it with you tonight on What's the Word. This is Randy Johnson, Senior Pastor at Columbia Baptist Church. Thank you so very much for joining me tonight. 
What a blessing it's been to spend this hour with you. Find me every Wednesday, 6 o'clock, right here on 101.9 WAIN. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN, right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walk this way on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of Uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.